Hello and welcome to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Yes, we're back for that difficult seventh season. Seven seasons, can you believe it? Um, certainly for our, uh, well, our normal regular host, Luke Edwards and myself. Dickie maybe is into his sixth season. Joe's got a difficult second season. We've got a special guest to introduce you to as well. So let's crack on. Um, Luke's going to be working just as hard this season for the podcast. He he, he may only be a, an infrequent guest on it, but he does do all the editing and producing, uh, and we love him for that. So thanks, Luke. Much appreciated. Um, so joining me then in that order that I just introduced them, Dickie Wharton, Richard Wharton, great to have you back for another season. Really good to see you, Rob. Yeah, uh, similarly to Luke, I mean, um, with my team, Telford, being um, in the Southern League this season, um, it, it, it'll it be a bit more than passing interest, but I think there'll probably be a bit of sharing around of the National League North duties this season as well. OK, great stuff, Dickie. I'll, uh, um, by the skin of their teeth, all the shots stayed up. So uh, I'll be watching National League football week in, week out this season. And uh, Joe Pope also joins us. Um, and you'll be keeping an eye, of course, very much on Torquay and Yeovil and that battle down in the southwest. Um, two clubs dear to the heart of our special guest today. But welcome back, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Nice to uh, get it all back up and running again. You said it would be a difficult second season. I'm hoping it's one full of promotion, um, as we'll come yeah. on to no doubt. Absolutely. And, and of course, whilst Joe might only be on this podcast once a week or every couple of weeks, He's way more prolific on his blog. That's the Off The Line blog, where you'll find him predicting everything, telling you about every up-and-coming player that's coming through and all the rest of it. Um, and uh, time now to introduce our special guest. Uh, been on before, cracking guest, uh, former Torquay and Yeovil manager, Chris Hargreaves. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you very much. Great to uh, be on tonight with everybody. Um, looking forward to the season after what was, I'd say, a traumatic season personally, uh, last season in the National League, but certainly on it for two teams, it was incredible, wasn't it? I mean, I know the um, publicity surrounding it was was high, high profile, but I think, you know, I think both teams deserve to do it. And I think it only highlighted how good the league is, in my opinion. Absolutely, Chris. The National League moves on without Wrexham and without uh, Notts County too, who who both got deserved promotions, I'm sure we'd all agree. Um, we welcome the clubs and, we, of course, this podcast welcomes the fans. We'd love to hear from you uh, from Rochdale, uh, coming down, sadly, after 102 years in the Football League. And to Hartlepool, uh, probably rejoining the National League a little sooner than they would have preferred. Um, and coming up as well, well, returning really, Kidderminster, Ebbsfleet and Fylde, who've both got something very much in common. They'd have been really wounded just a, a couple of three seasons back when, when they went down. Um, you know, both of them relegated in that season where the season didn't finish and I think Ebbsfleet, by point, something of a point went down and uh, that will have spurred those teams on. And who's going to help me with this one? I, I didn't do the research. Oxford City. I feel like they've maybe been a conference side before, but I'm not sure who's got the lowdown. Dickey? I don't think so. I think this is their first season at, at this level. Um, I think this is virgin territory for Oxford City, so it's going to be interesting to see um, how they go. 
All right. Well, uh, if there's any Oxford City fans listening, get in touch with us at NL Full Time on Twitter. Make yourself known. Maybe if uh, if you want to, you can come on as a guest early in the season. I'll personally get a look at Oxford City very, very early in the season because they are the visitors to the EBB on uh, uh, the first day of the season, Saturday the 5th, which is, by the time this podcast comes out, less than a week away. Let's get down to business, chaps. Um, we need to kind of break this into a few sections. and and uh, And the first one really is who has a realistic chance of being in the title race. If you look at the odds and you look at a lot of the predictions that are coming in uh, all around the country on the different social media forums, it would seem that we would have to include Oldham and Chesterfield in this discussion. And I'm going to throw Woking in as well. Um, before we talk about the merits of those three clubs, anybody want to pipe up with another team that they think is in with the shout with this title race? No, I Hello. think it would probably be those three for me, certainly. No, if you pick some good ones, um, I think it's open to more clubs than it ever has been this season. I really do genuinely believe that. There's no, there's no sitting on a fence. It did make me smile when uh, when we looked at the brief about our uh, predictions of promotion, perhaps playoffs and relegation. I will definitely be sitting on the fence with the latter of that one. There's no two ways about that. I don't want to offend any fans uh, in the first day of the, <laughs> the podcast. But when you look at, you know, how well Woking did, I'll pick Woking out because they they were probably in the end disappointed they didn't do it. I know I spoke to Daz Sahl towards the end of the season and he was, he was thinking they were running out of steam a little bit. They had a brilliant season. They played so well. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I know he's done a lot of business in the in the preseason, um, so he's you know there's no rest for a manager. He's worked his socks off, no doubt about that. And he's lost some good players. Um, you know he's lost Lofthouse. He's lost. I think he was one of the real highlights. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna. It's going to be an interesting transition to gel those players. But I think going back to Chesterfield, why everyone's picked Chesterfield? If you're signing, you know, sort of players like Will Grigg, you, you mean business. And I think they do mean business. Um, and after missing out so narrowly uh, um, last season, it does spare you on. And I can only reference promotions I've had when you've narrowly missed out. It really does spur you on the next season to go and do it. Um, and I think they'll be strong. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Joe, perhaps in your first opening thoughts, you can focus a little bit on one or two of the players that those clubs have brought in. I know that um, <laughs> practically the whole Woking midfield now is ex-order shot, isn't it? And some very good players like Yamani Oyeliki's coming in to join the likes of, of Reese Brown and Jim Kellerman. But one or two other key signings as well for, for both of those clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... I think one of the sort of terms that I will use a lot in my 1 to 24s is leadership group. You know, you need to have a really strong leadership group and that's what Woking have done and that's what Darren Sahl does so well. Um, brought in Joe Day, obviously, really experienced EFL goalkeeper um, who I would imagine will be number one. They've brought in um, Greg Taylor, who spent the last couple of seasons in League One with Cambridge. Um, another player who I think is really, really good. 
Um, they've also brought in Sam Haberham, formerly of Wealdstone, uh, won the division before with Lincoln. And then you've obviously got Matt Robinson, um, who's done likewise with Luton. So, um, yeah, I think they've added really, really well. They have, yeah, I agree with that. I think Sam did brilliantly at um, Wealdstone, didn't he? Did so well for Danny Cowley at Lincoln. I think losing James Daly is a big blow, but it just shows you, doesn't it, that, I mean, I'm a big advocate of the talent in the National League. And when you look at a couple of players that have gone from Woking and have gone to a big club in Barnsley, I think that just shows you that the ability is there. And, and, and there's, you know, a lot of clubs looking at this league and these players at the moment. Just to, you know, just to qualify what we're saying about Woking, it's not just a matter of, oh, they finished third last year and the two above them have gone up, but, um, or fourth maybe beyond Chesterfield, sorry. But um, that was a tremendous achievement. That was the best achievement ever for Woking. But I think it's the fact now they've still got the nucleus of that squad. They've got Darren Saal, who really knows this division well now, and he's continued to be well-backed and brought strong players in. I look at Woking overall, I think they'll be a bit stronger. So, yeah, I think I think they're in this discussion on merits. And the other team, of course, that um, has to be included is Oldham. Uh, you know, you've got a manager who came in and sussed this division out a little bit last year. They're very well-backed. They've made some excellent signings, which, uh, Joe, I'll get you to talk about uh, in just a moment. But before you do, one of those new signings for Oldham caught up with our very own Luke Edwards in pre-season. And that's Josh Lundstrom, who joined from Altrincham. Well, obviously, pre-season really hard, so it was good. Different way of playing for me. Yeah. A lot more aggressive, so it's all just about getting used to it and learning the new ideas from the gaffer. Yeah, and a, and a big step up for you, obviously. You had a really good season at Altrincham last year. You got your England C cap, and now, now you're at Oldham. Yeah, obviously, it's kind of a natural progression, sorry. Um, for me and my career, obviously, a lot bigger clubs, uh, more, more fans, more infrastructure and all that sort of thing. So, probably a little bit of added pressure, but something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that's the thing now. You've got to be one of the favourites for promotion, won't you, as well? And I suppose that's something that you're aiming for. Always, yeah. Always want to try and push up as, as high as possible in my career and hopefully can do that with Oldham. It'll be a dip, little, little bit of a different atmosphere of last season, whereas obviously there's pressure on us. We know we're expected to be, to be up there and challenging for promotion. So, Whereas last season, that probably wasn't the main objective. Not that we, yeah. we weren't capable of it, but there is a real pressure on us this season to go and achieve something. And I suppose it's big for you as well, because in terms of the pressure, because you, you're a regular Altrincham, but you're really going to have to fight for your place at Oldham with the squad they've got. Yeah, of course. But I think any good team needs that competition for places, don't they? It's, if, if you know, say there's only two centre mid, you know you're going to play every game. Not that you wouldn't try 100%, but you know if you, yeah. do, if, if you drop off a little bit, you're not going to be in the side. So I think any good, good side needs that, so it's all good. And that was Josh Lundstrom. He'll be a big miss, of course, for Altrincham, Joe. But what about that Oldham side? Just focus on, again, some of the players that have you know, been signed there by David Unsworth. Yeah, um, you know, I think they, they have ambitions to try and get promoted. Um, and they've signed players that not only have been at the top end of this division, but have been playing at a higher level than this before. Um, you know, they brought in Charlie Ragland from Cheltenham, um, who's been, you know, playing much higher. He's a really, really good player. Um, they've brought in Sean Hobson at South End. Uh, looked like he was going to be off to the EFL, um, and he hasn't. He's stayed, um, and he should be one of the best defenders in the division. Um, you know, we, we just spoke to Josh Lundstrom there. Uh, from Altrincham, but virtually every award for the Robins. 
Um, and he's been fantastic in midfield. Um, and then they've also got Kurt Willoughby. I think I was unsure of them going forward last season. And they brought in Kurt Willoughby, who did so well for Chester. Um, deserved that step up. And uh, yeah, he's done, uh, or he should be one of the best strikers in the division on this day. Yeah, Kurt's um, previously been called up for England C. He's had two or three quite prolific um, seasons for different clubs in the National League North, uh, hasn't he, Dickie? Do you think he's got what it takes to to bang in 15, 20 goals in the National League? On, on past performance, um, you would say possibly not. I know when he went to York City, um, he found it something of a, a struggle, although they were in the North at the time. But I don't think it went especially well for him at Fylde. But, you know, 20-odd goals at, at, at FC UM in the National League North, about another 20 last season at Chester. Um I think he just needs somebody to show the faith in him and say that you're our main man in the division above and, and let him um, find his feet there. I think possibly the, the difficulty before he's been in sides where um, if he wasn't scoring, he didn't get the luxury of, of getting a run in the side to, to you know get that goal that would get him going. Chris, your thoughts on Oldham? Of course, they, they did come down like a lot of football league clubs for the first time at this level with a little bit of a hangover, but it was soon washed away, wasn't it, with the new ownership, with the breath of fresh air? And yes, they, uh, you know, they went through a couple of managers, didn't they? But uh, yeah. they should be positioned well, shouldn't they, this year? Yeah, they should. They're, they're strong and well backed. It's a fantastic club, isn't it? I mean, I've played them at probably in every single league as a, as a, as a player. Um, such has been their history. I know I watched a game there and it was very tense. Um, the fans, you know, immediately when there's a misplaced pass at that time, they were they were getting annoyed. They weren't where they wanted to be, and that's sometimes what it's like when you when you find yourself in that league. It's tough. Um, but as the, everyone has said, they they did find the feet, um, and it seems like at the moment everyone's pulling together, which is what needs to happen to be successful. You know, no doubt about it in my mind. If a club's mess a mess off the field, it's a mess on it usually. Um, it manifests itself onto the field. But, yeah, they've signed some good players. I think Raglan's done it before. He's a leader. And I think Willoughby's a good signing. I looked at him early in my tenure at Yeovil and I, I wanted to get him in, to be honest, but not on the money that that um, that he wanted. Um, but now he's done it. He's done it. And you can only do it the way he's done it, by scoring goals, can't you? You know, he's, he's proved that he can score goals. So he deserves his chance again. Um, and why not go and do it again? So um, I'd say they'll be strong. And the one thing about Oldham is they'll expect to be strong just because of the size of the club. Absolutely. A lot of big clubs still in the division, a lot of ex-league clubs, a lot of hopes and expectations. We'll move on to the playoff chasers, but as we do it, Joe, I'm going to give you the little option here to, to get one out of your back pocket. I think there's five or six teams that are going to come up for sure in this conversation. But from all those others, if you had to pick a dark horse that might, if they get a good start and things go well, might um, challenge for the title? Oh, um, well, I don't think any of the others will challenge for the title. Um, that's why I don't think they're in my top three. However, um, I want to go for Eastleigh. Um, I know quite a few people um, weren't fans of Eastleigh at the back end of last season, the way that they sort of fell apart at the end. Um, but they've signed really well. They've got new backing in Stuart Donald. Um, 
and uh, you know they've they've signed some really really good players who can and have been playing higher. Um, very much a Lee Bradbury side is very much based on the quality of his front man and so you know big target man physical that can bring others into play and then they've brought in one of the best at that in Scott Quigley won the division twice with Stockport and Barrow. I think if he can get the service, he'll be fantastic. Um, you know they've had a couple of fullbacks sort of leave the club or get injured. Brennan Kemp's obviously on the, the treatment table and Vin, Vinnie Harper's gone. Um, but they've brought in Ryan Clampin from Colchester. They've brought in Lee Hodson that spent time in the EFL before. Um, and yeah, right throughout their side, they've brought in real quality. Um, they've got good backing. Um, they were in and around the playoffs last season. I certainly think the squad they've got now is stronger than that which they had last season. And um, yeah, I don't think they'll be in the mix to challenge for the title. But if there is anybody um, that, that could perhaps make a play, then it would be Eastley, um, who, funny enough, they do, uh, I have predicted them to come fourth. So, Yeah, um, great stuff, Joe. I, I've got Eastley in the mix for the playoffs and I think they'll have a better shot at it than last year. Coming back to you, Chris, anything you want to add about Eastley and also, you know, from the you know, the rest of the playoff chasers, is there a team that you feel, you know, at the very least will will probably come fourth, even if they don't challenge for the title? Well, I'm I'm I obviously, you know, I'm good good mates with Brad is he's a he's a great lad and he's done a fantastic job. So um, you know, I hope they are up and around it challenging. I've got to quickly mention how well Kev's done. My old mate from Bristol Rovers, Kev Mayer at Southend, keeping that club together, galvanising it. You know, the fans helping to get the place ready for the season. You know, a big shout to the fans there. You know, you can't fault football fans for their resilience and their loyalty and their passion. So good luck to that club going forward. You can't discount the Bees, the Bromleys, the Boreham Woods. They're always in and around it. Andy Woodman done a brilliant job since he's been a manager there. Um, Luke will obviously be, be, be chomping at the bit. Um, but my dark horses are, are a couple of teams coming up. I think that the way Ebbsfleet and Fylde dominated the leagues, and I watched them both. You know, I watched them because my lad was playing in National League North, and they were they were favourites for the title. Kings Lynn for a long time played very well, probably one of if not the best team in the league. But Fylde were just relentless. They they were absolutely relentless, just winning every week. I was teammates with Adam Murray at um, at uh, Oxford. Um, gone off, done a hell of an apprenticeship overseas, at a massive club, and he's come back. and uh, They'll they'll be strong, and I, I think with Ebbsfleet as well, the way they play, the 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 style of play, the heavily possession based. I think they're another team that will do well. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, in my little groups, I've got Ed, Ebbsfleet and Kidderminster establishing themselves well in this division. I don't think either of them will be in any danger. Joe, you'll have your chance to have a say in just a minute. But while we're touching on Fylde, I want to come to you, Dickie, please. Um, because one, you saw them up close and personal in the National League North at least a couple of times last year. Um, and you, uh, as, as as well as um, Chris, of course, will have seen Gold on Mateo in in action. I know he was a target for Tommy Widrington. No surprises there at Aldershot, but uh, Fylde obviously got in uh, with an offer that was more attractive to him. Your thoughts on Fylde and on Mateo? 
I think for, I had a quick look. I don't. They haven't brought in a huge number of players, so Adam Murray's um, uh, sticking with, uh, you know, the core of that team that that got them promoted. I, I like the players he signed as well. John Ishtabasi is a uh, exciting uh, wide player from Chorley. That it just feels like there's a difference at filed under Murray, and that they that they don't seem to be so inclined to go for the. Um, the big splurge and the big signing and the big name, it, it seems to be, there seems to be more method to it um, uh, uh, under his leadership and 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 less of a, um, a need to sort of like sign marquee names rather than people who will actually fit into the way they work. You you have to say that feels better, you know, that, that to me always feels a better way to do things. Um, yeah, I think they'll be comfortably comfortably mid-table at least and and possibly even better yeah because the thing we know with filed is is that if they are in with an opportunity of pushing on a bit there'll probably be some more investment available in january if they want it okay flipping it back to you joe and just trying to keep things on track a little bit um thoughts on um you know briefly if you've got some on ebsley and file but also on the three b's that are in that group likely to be contending for the playoffs a couple of words only really from me. Um, I think Barnet have the best chance of those three. The concern with Boreham Wood, a 17-man squad again at the minute. I'm sure Luke will add to that. But it's always a risk as far as injuries running with a small squad. And they've done so well over the years. They really have done well in that respect. Um, but they'll need that bit of fortune again. Uh, Bromley, uh, on you know, Woodman will have them there or thereabouts. Even some of the players coming in there, though, are young again. So youth is the question mark there. And Dean Brennan, is uh, he, he, he's a canny old sod, isn't he? he? He'll have Barnett up there again. You know, he really, really will. What's your thoughts on, on the three Bs and those two new, new sides coming up? Yeah, well, I would concur that I think of the three Bs, Barnett are the, probably the, the team that are better placed. Uh, to make a, a push for the top sp uh, spots, um, even though they've lost Ryan de Havilland, uh, who obviously moves to the EFL, another player from England's C team that moves up to the EFL. Um, their business in the summer's not insp inspired me, I don't think. Um, you know, Zach Brunt on a permanent deal, I think, is a good bit of business. Um, he's impressed in the National League before. Um, but it's very difficult when, you know, Dean Brennan did really well last year in finding a couple of players who were able to make the step up and were so good in the likes of um, Adi, uh, Adi, Adi Awulu, is it? Adi Aluru, the defender. Aluru, yeah. Chelmsford, easy for me to say. And, um, and Callum Stead at Brackley. You know, can you keep finding gems that are going to step up and suddenly be brilliant for you? Or are they going to take, you know, a couple of months to adapt? Um, but I think that the core players that they've got there, they should be fine. Um, Bournemouth, a team that I kind of flirted whether or not they would be in my playoffs. Um, and for the first time ever on my blog, I am actually going to put them in the playoffs. Um, I think they have added well. Um, I think they've refreshed the midfield. Tom Whelan in particular is a really good signing. Really like him. Um, and uh, I think Kwesi Appiah is a really good addition at the top end of the pitch. Um, and uh, the return for... Da I'm just going to call him David. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name from Sheffield Wednesday, uh, given how much I butchered that Barnett's defender's name. Um, he's really, really good. I've um, gone to home, huh? 
we'll go with that. Yeah. And um, yeah, Bromley, um, it's always difficult because their their whole ethos and the whole philosophy under Andy Woodman is about bringing through young players. And when you've got so many good young players, you're going to lose them. And it's a it's going to be a case of how well they can replace them. You know, they've they've lost a lot of players from last season. They've lost Kellen Fisher. They lost Omar Sawumni. They've lost Reese Charles Cook. They've lost Ryan Sturk in midfield. They've lost Deji Ilerraway, um as well. So, um, yeah, I think the people that they've um, they've brought in uh, are going to have to step up to the plate well. Um, I haven't got them in the playoffs because um, I think it might be a bit of a, an adaptation for them again. You know, to to uh, go again with a, a slightly different team. As to the two teams that come up, um, I think both will be fairly comfortable mid-table. Um, of the two, I perhaps prefer Ebbsfleet. Uh, more experience in their side, certainly more goals in their side. Um, yeah, I think they've added really well as well. Like Fylde, haven't added too much, uh, but I don't think they've had to. Um, so, yeah, I think of the three Bs, Barnet are the best placed uh, and both the teams that came up, Ebsley and Fylde, should uh, should be quite OK. OK, good stuff. Chris, I know, I know you've got limited time. You've got to leave us soon. Um, any other clubs you wanted to have a say on? Obviously, York have invested well. They've brought a lot of players in. They've, as it stands, got the largest squad. I mean, one or two may still go out from there, but 33 players... Including some uh, some players of real quality uh, in the likes of Howe and 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 Cordner at the back, and they're almost forcing themselves into the argument, aren't they? And Hartlepool, based on the size of the club, based on having got up just three years ago, and based most of all on having Mister Askey in charge, he'll know what he's doing there, won't he? Yeah, he will. Wiley Little Fox, isn't he? Um, you know, it's so disappointing though, isn't it? It's so hard to get up into to, to the Football League, as we all know. It's so difficult. And in that game at um, Ashton Gate where Hartlepool did it, the, you know, the support they had, the fans, it was a, it was a, it was a, a huge moment for the club to, to, to get relegated so quickly afterwards, such a hammer blow. I, I don't know because... When I've played at different clubs and you've had huge squads, it's a real headache sometimes for a manager to manage those players. Um, so that 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 for those two clubs we've mentioned will be a a problem, um, no doubt about it. As a player, you always prefer to have a small squad because you get that camaraderie, you get that sort of um, close tight knit group. And I think we've we've talked about one club having seventeen players. I think we we. Well, we should have got promoted to the championship, but we've got very close at Brentford one season. We had a very, very small squad. But you all know each other. You, you, you stay fit. You sign the right types of players. So I think that's that's the key thing. You can have a small squad if you know that those players are going to play every week. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those. Yeah. You've got to do homework with a player. You can have 33 players and that that's great. But mm. only 11 can play every week. And you're not playing in the Champions League and four other trophies. So you've got to keep the other players happy. So that'll be a, an interesting challenge for sure. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sign off. I have got limited time. I'm, I'm triple booked. I've got a my birthday celebrations coming up for my daughter and I've got a 40th that I should have been at four hours ago, but I wanted to j join you guys and you know, wish, wish you all the luck for this season. You know, and I, 
what I would say is I wish all the fans the best of luck. You know, I, I've done both. I've captained, played in and I managed in the league and I've had ups and downs in it. But I still love the league and I know that the fans are very passionate about their clubs. Now, my personal opinion about what went on with me will remain my personal opinion. The proof's in the pudding and I'll let other people judge what happened to that club. But that's water under the bridge for me. Uh, I wish everyone the best of luck for next season and uh, looking forward to it. Fantastic, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Will we see you on, uh, well, it's not BT Sport anymore, TNT. Will we still see you uh, on the National League uh, coverage? Sadly, you will. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, looking forward to it. Great team of people. I think the coverage is really good. It will remain the same. And, um, yeah, can't wait, to, uh, can't wait to get started. It's so, so difficult to give adequate coverage to all 24 teams, isn't it? Um There'll be other teams we've not mentioned yet that, that that feel that they're in with a shout of the playoffs too. Um, we really must examine the credentials really now of, of Rochdale. It's a big club. It's come down to the National League after 102 years. And what do you sense, um, Joe? Do you sense, a, 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 you know, maybe a something more akin to like a Scunthorpe last season where there's going to be a big hangover over the club? Or do you sense something a little bit more Oldham-like where, you know, they, they're going to they're, they're going to go again? You know, they've got McNulty in, um, who's a, a bright young uh, manager. Um, I don't know what to make of him, to be honest. And I don't know what to make of the Rochdale squad. What do you think? Um, I don't think it will be as bad as a Scunthorpe. I think there will be tricky... Uh, tricky times. Um, I think they. I think when they look at the season, all they will want really is survival. Um, and I don't mean that patronisingly. Um, I think the division is so so tough, and we've seen so many teams come down and struggle. Um, I'm not wholly confident of their chances, um, and that's not in being competitive at the top. Um, I think they'll sort of be mid-table with a view to just escaping relegation. Um, the big thing for me, and, you know, at the start of this, we talked about Woking uh, and we talked about, um, or I talked about how how important it is to have a leadership group, you know, people that are experienced. And all the players they've brought in, apart from Adam Clayton, are very inexperienced, you know, very inexperienced Um the squad's very young. They've got a manager who, you know, yes, he has uh, promise and potential. But, you know, when you've got the likes of a John Askey or a Luke Garrard that know the division so well, you have to be very, very good as a young coach to better that. Um, so, yeah, I think they need you to have more experience. Um, I think it will be a challenge. Um, but, yeah, for them, the goal is uh, staying up. Okay, I'm going to go briefly for Dickie's thoughts on Kidderminster. And then when I come back to you, Joe, just to give you a bit of warning, I'm going to propose four teams to you that I think will be comfortable mid-table. I don't see them being involved in a struggle. And equally, I personally don't think they'll make the playoffs. That's Dagenham, Gateshead, Wealdstone and Aldringham. So get your head on that one while I come to Dickie, who uh, not only lives not too far from Kidderminster, but he watched them. Uh, at Telford and uh, the result I think was a nil-nil Dickie we don't read too much into results but what did you make of Russ Penn's uh, Kidderminster 
from what I saw yesterday, my my impression was that that it may be uh, certain key players or people I would regard as key players. I think Shane Byrne, who is the captain at Kidderminster, he didn't uh, see any action at all during the game. Amari Morgan Smith was kept in cotton wool for the day. I think it was more of an opportunity for for Russ Penn to have a look at those some of those players he's brought in over the summer um, to see whether they are actually pushing for a place in, in that starting eleven. There hasn't been too much in and out. Kidderminster got quite a big squad, but they had a lot of injuries last year, and it was only when they got everybody back towards the end of the season that they went on that tremendous run that got them promoted. All of a sudden, they were able to pick their best players, and surprise, surprise, you know, those were the results. Um, I did speak to Russ Penn. This was his feeling on how they're shaping up for the season. You're a week away from your uh, National League debut, certainly as a, a manager. Um, looking forward to it? So excited. So excited. Um, the build-up since the day after we got promoted um, has been really, uh, really high. The energy around the club is fantastic. So, um, listen, I'm just grateful we got through pre-season with no injuries, uh, which is a first for me. And we can really enjoy this week, building up to Woking next week. You, you've added to your squad a bit. You've kept the majority of yep. the players that, that got you promoted, unsurprisingly. But you, you have made a few additions. Yeah, listen, we've we uh, we're educating ourselves now, going into the new level. But we've signed players from the league that we've come across. Players who I believe um, can be vital at this level. Um, Jack Lambert, Kieran Phillips, Jerry McDonough, Oxlade Chamberlain. So. Um, yeah, we, we've gone with that and then a few experience in terms of your map pressings as well. So um, added to what we've got, we've got a winning momentum. So we want to take that into the, into the month of August. You start with Woking at home next week. I think they were fourth last season. Yeah. So you know, it's not an easy one, but none of them are going to be easy in the division above, are they? No, they're not. They, um, you know, we looked at the first 10 games on, on a sheet of paper yesterday and they were all strong. You know, you, your York's away, your Fold's away, your... Boreham Woods, your Bromley's Maidenheads. These are strong teams we want to all finish in the playoffs. So um, we're going to enjoy it, enjoy the ride, but we're here to be competitive and not make the numbers up. You will have your own internal sort of expectations about what, where you hope to be, what, and I don't expect you to share them mm. with me, but um, you, you, you say you're doing more than going there just to make the numbers up. Well, we've got, we've got to, you know, we, we're a competitive football club. We are a big football club. I think we're at least where we deserve to be, but we need to um, prove that now. Um, there's no point in just going up there and, and bouncing up and down like a few clubs have done in the past we, we've got to go and try and win the next game and that's our mentality from last season and will it be the same this season and that was Russ Penn and uh, Joe in a couple of minutes please if you can your thoughts Dagenham Gateshead Wildstone and Altrincham um, Altrincham's second season of course as a full-time club and Wildstone with a lot of plaudits last year uh, would appear to be going with a pretty similar hand this time around. And, of course, Ben Strevens, uh, most recent managerial guest on the podcast at Dagenham, and Gateshead on the back of a strong finish. Yeah, I think um, Gateshead finished the season well. They've added well. Um, they've brought in a couple of players that I really, really like, Regan Booty uh, in particular, um, and Jordan Hunter from South Shields, I think is a fantastic addition at right wing back. Um I think they'll be more than comfortable. And I think if they can start well and manage the players within their squad well in terms of injuries, um, because they will have a small squad again, um, which kind of hampered them at the end of last season, um, I think they could be in with a shot of potentially getting in the playoffs. Um, I think Altrincham, a lot of change again. You know, one of the highest teams in terms of turnover players. Um, and that's happened again this season. 
Um, although they have brought back a player who could potentially be one of the best in the division in Chris Con-Clark. I think they'll be fine. Um, in terms of Dagenham, um, they've got a good starting eleven. I think they might have um, not enough depth to compete, but I think they should be fine. As for Wealdstone, you know, part-time, low budget. I like Stuart Maynard. I think they will be fine, but I think they will struggle. We're heading towards the the really awful, the really tricky part of this. And I mean, Chris Hargreaves got lucky, really, didn't he? Because he couldn't stay for very long and he already said he didn't want to call the teams that might go down. Obviously, uh, we've got, uh, what have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven teams left. Um, let's put the group together in a minute that all the outsiders are predicting are going to be kind of like the bottom six um, with two Slight exceptions. One, which we have to debate entirely on their own, which is Southend United, for obvious reasons, if you've been following the fortunes of that club. And the other one, um, for me anyway, I think a lot of people might have them at least mid-table, but I'm a little bit concerned for them with some of the quality that's gone and a new inexperienced manager, and that's uh, Solihull Moors. Um Looking at the two S's then, Southend and Solihull Moors, we have to say with Southend, at the point we record this, the National League have been very supportive and favourable. They are waiting a safety certificate, which hopefully will be granted um, you know, in the next 24, 48 hours, possibly even by the time this podcast comes out. But it's been an awful, wretched summer. Good players have had enough and have gone. Um, I think they're down to about 16 recognised first-teamers. They've not been able to sign anybody. Um, Joe, um, do you want to come in on South End Because it, 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 there's not enough at the minute. It doesn't matter how big the club is, how what far-reaching the support is. At the moment, it's difficult to build a case for them doing anything but struggle this season. I know. And, you know, I don't want them to be in the bottom four. I'd love them to stay up, you know, for all the, the all that they've had to endure. Um, you know, as you said, they've only got 16. Um, I think they might actually be down to 15 now because they've lost Henry Sandat, uh, who looks to be going to Hull City. Um, they're only actually allowed 16 players until the end of August. They're not allowed. They're not allowed to sign anymore. They're not allowed any more players in their squad. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be, you talked earlier about small squads. It's going to be a very small squad. We saw at the back end of last season that the, that squad was pushed to the limit, did struggle with injury. Um, and, you know, uh, the only sort of the dagger in the heart, so to speak, is the fact that because the National League doesn't have a transfer window, as the season continues, this team, I believe and would expect, will continue to get ripped apart. You know, if everybody, if teams in the National League want a, an extra player of quality, then, you know, who can we look to? Well, probably Southend have got one or two that might want to move on. So, yeah, it is going to be tough. Um, I didn't want to put them in the bottom four. Um, and until very recently, I didn't. But I do have them in my bottom four. Um, I think it will be a real struggle for, for Kevin Mayer. Um, the only hope I do have for them is that if they can keep their squad fit, I think their starting eleven is top half in the National League. I, I believe that anyway, uh, despite mm. those that they've lost. And they've got one of the best, in my opinion, the best director of football in the whole division in John Steele behind the scenes, so that if they do get the chance to add, they will add quality. 
Of course, what we haven't mentioned here, and everybody knows, is that Ron Martin is looking to sell the club, but it's taking a long time. And, uh, um, you know, there's a lot still to be agreed there. Um, just a little point of detail that you wouldn't know. Sandat wasn't in my 16 that I believe that they've got. I'd, I'd already got him as one that was kind of, you know, his future was uncertain. Southend tried hard to keep him and couldn't. I think they'd also have, uh, you know, some, some younger players around the club that they could complete their squad with if they need to. So all the very best to Southend from this podcast. I don't know anybody who wishes you as a club badly. Uh, there's an awful lot of empathy for you out there. Um, and uh, coming to that other S, and I'll divert my attentions over to Dickie, who keeps, a, again, a little bit of eyes, a little bit closer in the Midlands there to Solihull Moors. Um, the top, top manager has gone and um, a new manager has come in. Uh, a lot of academy players have been given first-year contracts over the course of last season and this from the outside, looking at, looking in, it would appear a big chunk of the money uh, that was being invested in the budget has gone at Solihull Moors. What's your take, um, Dickie? You're a little bit closer to it. And how do you think Solihull do? Do you think they'll still have enough to be mid-table or might they be in a bit of danger this season? I like Solihull Moors as a club, so I, I wouldn't want to see them uh, in difficulty. But my instinct says that they might be in difficulty I think when you look at the the, the players that have gone out um, I mean we're talking about players who were the the absolute spine of that team um, it's one of those things in that you know having when they lost that player final um, to Grimsby then you perhaps maybe had I think a lot of people installed them as you know their favourites to go promoted the next season but they suffered a bit of a hangover from that of course other clubs have been alerted to the players that they'd got. So some of those got cherry picked and players wanted to move on. You know, they'd been um, aware that other clubs are interested in them. And, you know, the the, the likes of um, Goodyear and how the center halves have gone. Andy Dallas has gone. Um, it, it, it stripped a lot of um, the, the, the spine out of that team that they've had there for a long time. And, you know, they, they've replaced them with Carl Morrison's coming at center half. He was, um, Surplus requirements at Falbert was excellent when he went to Kidderminster, and I think Kidderminster probably would have been quite keen uh, to keep him. Matt Warburton's come in. We know he's, um, you know, got quality. He's He was at Halifax last season. They've taken a chance on Connor Hall from Chorley. He's been scoring goals at National League North for a number of seasons without making that step up. So it, it isn't that they haven't bought, brought in some decent players, but I'm just not sure that they've got enough of them, to be perfectly honest. Um Andy Wing is a bit of an unknown quantity as a manager at this level as well. So that's a tricky one. You know, Neil Ardley was um, a, a safe pair of hands. You know, he, he I think the job he'd done at Notts County, I think everybody... I mean, the fact that he got Notts County into a playoff final against Harrogate, which they lost in their first season back, having, with all of the stuff that gone on at Notts County, you know, said a lot for him as a manager, but... I think it was evident that in you know when he went that 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 either you know that the money was running out or that there was a, that they felt they needed to change course. So there's just a lot of intangibles at Solihull, and I think possibly too many. Yeah, fair point. Um, you know, particularly I noticed either end of the pitch, Ryan Boot has gone and Andrew Dallas, who had obviously already gone on loan to Chesterfield anyway, but they have gone amongst others. Joe, quick, very quick point from you on Solihull as well. 
Yeah, um, I was going to actually, uh, they didn't want to reveal too much about Solihull, but you've given it the intro with them saying that they're going to struggle. I think they'll go down. Um, you know, I think, I I know myself as a Torquay fan, you know, when you lose a playoff final, have the spine of your team ripped out, try to replace them on a lower budget. It's only going one way. Um, and I've seen it with Torquay. Solihull don't have the adage of a, an experienced manager um, or I would say the depth that Moore still have or that Torquay still had. Um, and I think they'll struggle. A lot of young players there this year got to step up. All right. A couple of clubs before we get to the to, to the real danger zone. So to the populist, you know, the majority of opinion. I have to respect that. Um, and we'll come to all the shot down in a minute. We're not going to big them up too much. You know, everybody criticises that this is too much of an all shot down podcast. I would like uh, your opinion in a minute, Joe. But let's just also then deal now with Halifax and Dorking Wanderers. Um, some people may have them down as healthy mid-tables. A lot of people um, are predicting that Dorking might be in and around the bottom four. I think Mark White's too clever for that. I think Dorking will probably have too much for that. They've signed a good goalkeeper in Harrison Mayo to replace a good goalkeeper in Dan Lincoln. The concern, if anything, at Dorking is have they bought in enough um, better quality players to improve on what they did last year? Um, Mark White would probably say that if he has a bit more fortune in the injury department, that they, that, that you know that that won't be a factor. But uh, of course, I did get down to Medibank in pre-season. Uh, and you can't resist, can you, the opportunity to catch up with the Dorking Wanderers owner, chairman and manager, Mark White. Mark, great to see you. Um, Good to see you, mate. Yeah, very quickly, um, 16th place, 57 points. Not a bad little consolidation first season in the National League, especially given some of the injury problems you had. Yeah, I thought, you know, when the dust settles, obviously when you're in the mire like we were for three, four months and, and you're in the thick of it, sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. But when that all clears and you look at that first season, you look at the fact we had two weeks uh, two weeks after the playoffs to regroup. Uh, we had no team. Uh, we stuck with the boys we had. We were too late to recruit. We then got injuries to key players. Um, and when you look at that as a dynamic, to finish maybe 12-odd points just behind the playoffs, 16th, arguably a really good achievement um, by everybody involved. Um, obviously... Um, you know, that means this year we're, we're looking to, to crack on now. Yeah, exactly. Exciting times at Medibank always. Um, and uh, so you're going hybrid. Um, so still part-time, two mornings a week. How's that been so far, bud? Well, <laughs> do you know what? Obviously, if you want to have a Tuesday midweek game, it means we can't train Tuesday morning. So we've had a lot of weeks where we just train once. So honestly, our pre-seasons consisted of literally about seven by the time we finish it seven morning sessions if you compare that with the full-time sides we're going to be you know on paper way behind and i do think this is the one time of the season where you know it can make a difference i think once everyone's match fit it tends to level itself out when the boys are all playing twice a week they're all ticking over aren't they but i'll be a bit concerned with our general sort of you know how many sessions we've had but Having breakfast, uh, breakfast with the lads, mm. you know, knowing we're going to have the time to tactically prepare, everything like that, and that analyse things. When the season gets going, that'll be an advantage from where we were. So we're looking forward to that. 
yeah, good stuff. You've, again, you love a bit of continuity, a lot of loyalty, but one or two key new faces, in particularly in goal. But largely, is your thinking there, bearing in mind you've had a good look at it last season, the, the fact that the likes of Briggs and uh, McManus and, and, and uh, Taylor and even Alfie at some point, they're going to be coming back, aren't they? So. Yeah, there's no substitute for, you know, your sort of own players and... and whether it's togetherness or whether it's the extra will to win, whether it's the supporters' affiliation with them. Uh, I think in the building, if they're all fit, we'll have a great side. Um, I've no doubt about that at all. Um, as always in football, getting your best side on the pitch is every manager's challenge. I would say we have got 16 to 18 really good players and not every club has. So I think others would struggle more with, um, uh, with with people missing. We'll go into the season in better shape than we did last year. Now, predictions are a mugs game, and I know certain people have been asking you to have a go. I won't do that tonight, but uh, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, the fixture list has been interesting, hasn't it? Nice, easy start for you. Chesterfield away, hot favourites for the league. Sort of back garden you want to go into and test yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you any. I'm not gonna give you any textbook answers. You know. Well, no. you know, first game, anything happens. Good opportunity. Yeah. Blah blah. Listen, that is not a game you'd want to play first game, especially like I said, being part time and you know. The, I think the margins would be a little bit in their favour there. But listen, uh, one thing for certain, we'll, we'll give it a go. We've got the experience in the side now that we didn't have this time last year. Um, we've got the know-how. Um, and of course the pressure will be on Chesterfield at home but in reality uh, over the years I've been doing it a long time and, and I'll tell you what that at one point I used to, there, was a, there was a bit of a thing where teams that lost first game of the season went on to win the league mm. I used to watch it every year thinking blimey there's another one so um, you never know mate if we beat Chesterfield Cookie might think he's going to go on and win the league Mark one more thing rise with us you're going for some fan ownership tell us a bit more about it well, you know, we've obviously grafted over the years, like really, really hard, 23 years to make the club what it is today. And I think that, that one of the club's biggest successes, if not the, is, is really the sort of following the club's got and how, how much people appreciate what we've done. Um, and we really want to keep the, the journey going uh, into the next chapter. And, and for me, that was about actually protecting the club in part, you know, be, so becoming part fan-owned mm. um, and giving people the opportunity uh, to be part of this wonderful club. And um, and then, you know, we'd always thought there'd be an opportunity or a time, if you like, when we need to bring on board more hearts and minds. It's not just about the investment, which obviously comes in really handy, but also having bodies in the club, um, owners. This club is very inclusive, you know. Um, whether you're the tea lady or, or, or Mark White, you know, very much a family uh, affair, very much a success culture. So... Yeah, we're going to, you know, bring people on board and they're going to be part of our journey and it's open to everybody. And to be honest, it's had an incredible start, unbelievable start, and um, it's only just got going. So uh, that was uh, Mark White, Joe, um, and uh, what a great character he is. Uh, you know, in Dorking Wanderers, let's say, so such a refreshing sight in the National League last year. The second season... Will it be a difficult second season uh, or will they cope nicely as they go hybrid, moving towards a full-time model? Um, a bit of both. I think it will be a difficult season. Um, I don't think they'll be in and around the bottom four. Um, I would concur that I think there's too much of in this squad to be well clear of that. Um, 
And, you know, I think the interesting thing for Dorking is we, we touched on the fact that they perhaps haven't added as many people as other teams. Um, but Mark White will allude to the fact that they didn't have Alfie Rutherford at all last season. They weren't able to play Matt Briggs a great deal. So, in effect, those two players are new signings for Dorking at National League level. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going to be uh, key, no doubt. Um, on Harrison Mayle, I think, um, good goalkeeper. I do have my concerns physically. Um, he's very small. Uh, I mean, we've seen him at England C, and he is a small goalkeeper. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think they should uh, I think they should be fine. Um, you know, keeping Tony Craig is a massive boost. Um, he's an absolute warrior at the back at his grand old age. Uh, and if they can continue to keep scoring goals as freely as they did at their brilliant best last season, then, um, yeah, I think Mark White himself will be quietly confident, I think. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to come to Halifax Town now. I haven't quite got them in the same category as, as, as Solihull, but there are some similarities, you know, overachieving and reaching the, the playoffs as they did um, a couple of seasons ago under tremendous manager in Wild. And Chris Millington had a pretty reasonable effort in his first season. But I'm looking at this list of players that have gone. Jack Senior, Jordan Slew, Matty Warburton, Harvey Gilmore, Kian Spence, Manny Dizaruvwe and Jesse Deborah. And I see a big, big hole. I look at the players that have come in and if I'm honest, and Halifax fans, let's hope for your sake that I'm wrong, I don't see the same level of quality as coming. Uh, your thoughts on Halifax, Joe? Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, I think a lot of Halifax fans, when you talk to them about the fact that they have lost lots of players, they'll say, yeah, but the likes of Kean Spence didn't really play at the back end of last season. Granted, that's true, but losing a player of his quality, um, I think is going to be a massive blow. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think when you lose a court of players like Jesse Deborah, um, the loss of Jack Senior was one that really surprised me, um, given that he was their captain uh, and their skipper. I was really surprised to see him move on um, and obviously losing Manny Dizouf way up top. Um, I would also concur that I don't think the players they've brought in are of the quality. Um, you know, I watched Andrew Oliver Bory last year at Yeovil Town. Is he going to be good enough? I don't think he's perhaps up to the level of being a top half National League player at this present time. Uh, Kane Thompson-Sommers was let go by Hereford. I would question whether he's good enough for the step up, uh, albeit having played at the level before. Um, Aaron Cosgrave was at Kings Lynn last season. Um, again, another one that has played at this level, but I'm not sure he's a, a top end National League operator. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I wouldn't say it's similar to Solihull, like you said, you know, I think um, there are similarities. Um, I think they do have a good core left, um, but I think they, they will struggle, whereas they would have wanted to kick on after winning the FA Trophy. I think we might see a bit of a, a drop off. Yeah, let's uh, just balance that out for Halifax. You mentioned the good core that they've got, so... Uh, Luke Summerfield, Jamie Cook, Tyler Golden still there, Rob Harker 
Um, Millie Alley, fantastic um, last season. And Sam Johnson, of course, in goal. And Festus Arthur. So, still a bit of quality there at Halifax. Is it still in depth? Um, let's see how they get on. And that just kind of leaves us three clubs, three that most supporters seem to have put in their bottom four. Uh, Oxford City, Maidenhead and Aldershot. Let's deal with them all uh, on their merits. Um, at Aldershot Town, they have literally been finishing in and around the bottom five, six or seven for quite a few seasons. So I totally understand people predicting them to go down. Um, Joe, I think the best way to sum up what's happening at Aldershot Town is this. Obviously, Tommy Widrington came in. He instilled a, a belief, a discipline towards the end of the season. They got four draws and two wins to to, to solidify their status. Um, and then you and I spoke probably less than two weeks ago. And I said, as it stands right now, and you agreed, you know, with what Aldershot had at that time, it looked as if they might not have enough. Um, I said to you, they need three good players, experienced players, straight through the spine of that team, three men. Um, and lo and behold, in that next week, um, you know, obviously helped with the funding from the sale of Tyler Corden to York. Um, in they came. Um, Maghoma from Eastleigh, or was it Eastleigh last season? Uh, Stuart O'Keefe, um, dropping down the Gillingham captain the last couple of years, been playing in the EFL. Uh, and up Tom Kwame Thomas, who everybody I've spoken to has got nothing but good words to say. Um, about him. So give us your take on um, on Aldershot for starters. And then if you like, just uh, roll into um, Maidenhead United and uh, Oxford City, the newcomers. Yeah, well, um, Aldershot. Um, yeah, I don't want to sound uh, too harsh on uh, an Aldershot, um, given that this is only the first podcast of the season. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think they, they needed to add some quality down the spine of their side. They have done. Um Kwame Thomas was one I expected them to sign. Uh, I think that's a really good signing. Stuart O'Keefe is a really good uh, player. Lots of experience to his name. Unfortunately, as you would have uh, obviously seen, Christian Magoma looks like he's got quite a bad injury, does it look like? Yeah, Achilles prob probably out for two-thirds of the season, I would imagine. Yeah, so, you know, you, you suddenly go from looking at it and saying, well, you know, Older shot have bought in all three players that they needed in the spine of their side. Yeah. They had already got, to be fair, they'd already got Harry's uh, from Swindon and Kobe Rowe from Sutton. Um, I think uh, Maghoma would have kept, would have been the third of those big, solid, experienced centre backs. Yeah, um, I think Magoma's probably the pick of those um, in terms of quality. And you're now going from, you know, a really good National League operator in Magoma. Um, one that I was a bit surprised he used to let go of, to a very good young player, um, you know, one that I said would be on for good things in Maxwell Mullins, um, but you're now relying on him to to not only perform, but perform every week. So um, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be safe. I think they'll be down near the bottom. Um, but Tommy Ridgington is an experienced manager. You know, I got a lot of stick from Bristol Rovers fans for saying, you know, he can't recruit a player. Uh, he can't coach players. Well, that's a load of rubbish. Um, you know, he can find players. If Mark Robbins uh, backs Tommy Whittington to do his recruitment at Coventry years ago, then I think Tommy Whittington's a pretty good recruiter. So he's brought in good players. Um, he's got a good core. Obviously, they've lost Tyler Cordner. Um, but that might do them some good. 
Um, I don't know. It might do them some good in, you know, not having to rely on him all the time. Um, he's brought in a lot of players that he's worked with at Kings Lynn. Um, and even some of the players that he's also brought in that didn't work with him last year, he's worked with elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I think they'll be they'll be fine. Um, I think they'll be outside the bottom four, as Tommy himself has backed himself to do. Yeah, and just to intercede before we come on to those other clubs, some other really eye-catching signings for all the shots. Young Josh Stokes is moving up a couple of levels from Sudbury, but having watched him three or four times in, in pre-season, I think he's going to easily adapt to National League level. For a youngster, 19, sort of 20-year-old, he's, he's quite thick-set and stocky, holds the ball up well, he can turn both ways. And I think he might be almost, a, you know, physically different, but he might be a little bit of an Ethan Chislett on all the shots' hands in that they might be lucky to keep him perhaps for just one season. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how Laurent Tollage performs. He's a Swiss striker who's come out of Brighton uh, and he's really started to catch the eye a little bit in pre-season. And they'll have a bit of competition for places up front this season, the shots, because Tollage and Kwame Thomas and, and Jack Barham will all think that they're starters. Uh, and yet it's quite possible only two of those three will start each week. So coming on to Maidenhead, then I think we know this discussion. I don't think there's going to be anything different about it. Every year we look at it and we look on paper and we think Maidenhead should go down. They should be one of the four weaker teams. And every year they go and dev people. Yeah, um, you know, everybody expects them to stay up. Um, and funny enough, when I did my first draft of my predictions, the first team I put in was Chesterfield in first, and the second team I put was Maidenhead to finish one above the drop zone. Um, but I don't think, um, you know, obviously you go on past experiences. I think it's perhaps a little bit lazy to just assume that they're going to do it again. Um because, you know, I've spoken to a couple of Maidenhead fans uh, for my preview and they are perhaps more concerned than ever that they will get relegated. Um, you know, they've lost some key players. They've lost perhaps the key player in Emil Aqua at the top end of the pitch. Uh, still haven't replaced him with a week to go. I would imagine for a manager as, uh, as good as Alan Devonshire, there will be a striker coming in within the next week. However... You know, we can only go on what we, we can see at the moment, can't we? And they've lost Sam Barrett as well. Yeah, you know, although he didn't play that much last season or didn't feature as much, uh, he's still a really, really good player. Um, so, yeah, to, to lose Aqua uh, is a big blow. Um, and, you know, they have brought in some good experience. Craig Ross, Ben Woking, Kevin Locko steps up from Farnborough, uh, Lewis Kinsella. I think the, the argument will always be, Yes, he's a really good player if you can keep him fit. I think that goes fit. for Loco and Kinsella. He had a wretched season uh, of, of, of fitness at Aldershot and then played almost every game for Farnborough last season, didn't he? So, um, And uh, Kinsella's had a couple of long spells out, yeah. Um, but in between that, put uh, sort of 50 consecutive appearances together. So, yeah, they'll need to keep those two fit, won't they, to keep it strong and keep a bit of experience at the back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think it's always going to be the the one for debate. You know, are they going to do it again? Um, I think the National League, you know, not to be disrespectful to Maidenhead, but I think every season that goes by, the National League becomes more than just can you be solid and, you know, be direct. You know, all the teams that have come up are so much better tactically, so much more physical, so much more mobile better recruiters, 
you know, the teams that have come up have got better backing. Um, and I think this might be the season uh, that we that we see them go. I actually put in my preview that every season on my blog, I've said that they will go down. So wouldn't it just be right that the season I didn't put them to go down was the season they, you know, didn't put them to go down. They actually did. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's an awful... I think they will. It's a, it's a really tough... I mean, I, I could tell you, listeners, that um, nobody wants to pick any teams out that are going to go down. I think we, we're, we're in this discussion, we're representing a little bit sort of the odds and, uh, you know, what most people are saying. So, And for that reason, we come to Oxford City last but not least. Well, you know, the, the positives for Oxford City will be, of course, that they play a lovely brand of football, which they'll hope will be um, successful at the National League level. Uh, and they'll come up with a winning mentality. And they've kept the vast majority of their squad from last season. But just flipping that the other way, have they strengthened enough to compete at this level. Chris Hager's uh, come back on a season loan from Ebbsfleet and they're pleased to get his capture again. And I, I think it's a good signing into Fari Moore, um, the right back from St Albans. But um, at this point, unless Oxford City just aren't very good at putting tweets out about incoming signings, I've got them with 15 players at the moment, Joe. And I, I've not got anything evidential to suggest to me that they're, that they're really going to be well-equipped to... To, to, to be strong at this level. I, I don't see it at the moment. No, and I think they will be most people's bet to be in the bottom four. Um, I didn't want to, but they are in my bottom four. Um, I really like Ross Jenkins. The, the two key points I have around Oxford City as to why I think they may struggle is, um, you know, one being the the model that Ross Jenkins has used is very much a case of because they haven't got the financial backing of other teams they have to go out and find players that perhaps you know their career's taken a stall or they they need a a, a new platform um and he did it well last year in in Clyde Lolos who's since moved on to the EFL but when your recruitment centers around finding you know players that are struggling and propelling them to new heights you know, the, the further you move up the ladder, that becomes harder and harder. Um, a couple of players that they've brought in, obviously Tafari Moore, he used to be in League One with Plymouth and has now finds himself in the National League with Oxford City. Uh, Marcin Brzezowski, a keeper that they've signed that used to be at, at QPR, he was at step four last season. He comes in as their backup. Um, so I think they will be tested on their, their model. Um, and the other thing is, when Torquay were promoted back to the National League under Gary Johnson, you f you very quickly realise which of your promotion-winning team aren't actually up to the level. Uh, you know, you come up, you've got a promotion-winning team, you expect everyone's brilliant, but you find out quite quickly those that are going to perhaps be discarded. Um, and I think we might well see that um, because it's a big step up, perhaps more so than ever given the competition and uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think they will, will struggle. Thank you very much, Joe, um, for all your insight and, uh, and Dickie too. Any final words from, uh, from you, Dickie on the national league? No, other than to say that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I've almost been thinking through the summer at what point do we, almost pointing embargo in place and say, we don't mention Notts County and Wrexham again. We did mention them right at the start of this. We are in a post 
Notts County and Wrexham World in this division now. Um, and hopefully the attention that those two teams um, brought to this league, that some of it will stay because, um, you know, it wasn't just all about them. Um, and yeah, just, just looking forward to, to, to seeing what comes next. There will, of course, listeners, be surprises. Some of the teams that we've said will do well may struggle. Uh, and some of those that we've said will be in danger might well prove us wrong. And you can, uh, you know, you can hit us up with your near, 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 near comments <laughs> later on in the season. But we've given it the best look at it that we can. Um, we've followed all the moves, all the comings and goings throughout the summer with great interest. We wish you and your teams well. Uh, let's all get aboard the roller coaster once again. Thanks for joining us and speak to you very soon.